Thank you. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, week four DraftKings picks and preview. If you want to play in the best tournament on DraftKings, well, folks, that's easy. If you got yourself $15, $30, or $45, the Pat Mayo Experience Listener's League, the league created for you people out there. I guess it'd be called a viewer's league as well. Hey, if you just watch this show on video, you're eligible to play in this contest as well. You can find the link in the description of this podcast or video. 4,000 spots. It's filling up pretty quickly. $15 to enter, three max entry, and the best part, no rake associated with this tournament. So for a $15 entry and 4,000 people in it, there's $60,000 in guaranteed money. $5,000 to first prize, a very flat payout structure. You get double your money if you min cash. I worked with them to set this up. It's the best sort of tournament I could come up with for the viewers out there. And hey, I planned it myself, so I'm dead money. So it's slightly over $60,000 of money in it because my 45 bucks is dead. But if you want to get some entry fees into that, I do have giveaways for 20 DK dollars. All you need to do is smash the like button for the episode, leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section. You tell me in the week four DraftKings Millionaire Maker. What percent owned do you think Will Disley, Walt Disley, creator of Mickey Mouse? What's he going to come in at? Because I'm going to guess it's pretty high. So I'm curious to see what the public thinks on that. Also, you can get into a draw for 20 DK dollars by subscribing, downloading, rating, and reviewing the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast. Five stars, DraftKings handle, something nice about the show, or even my guest today from ArborPro.com. I am wearing my green polo in honor of The Siege. CJ Kaltenbach, what's going on, man? I really am impressed with the green polo. That, that's well done, Pat. I am I think it's like the first time you've ever been on the show and you haven't worn the green polo. I thought we'd be twins. I, I'm, this is a green polo. It's just not the normal, like, dark green. That looks more like an aqua polo. It looks like you're... Yeah, it's probably fair. I, you kind of look like a dumpy cheerleader for the Miami Dolphins, man. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> I, I'm just... Uh, I, I support all taking efforts in sports, so I'm uh, helping out the Dolphins here. All right, you want to talk running backs to kick this off? Because at the very top, we got Christian McCaffrey. Saquon Barkley's number two. He's not playing at $8,500. But I know in showdown contests, you like to play backup quarterbacks. Are you going to play an already ruled out Saquon Barkley at $8,500 in the hopes that this is like WWF style? And he just, he returns, oh my God, that's Saquon's music. He's coming out. Is that in your repertoire this week? We're talking about a player who, uh, if we go back to our preseason, season-long podcast, I, I remember me saying I had Saquon Barkley fifth overall, and you, you were very quite unhappy with that. So, um, you know, I mean, obviously a nice way to, not the best way to get there, but uh, either way, you know, he's certainly not going to pay off that number one price tag now. Um, you do, hold, hold on uh, a second. Hold on a second. You do realize that if anyone gets hurt, they're not going to pay off their price tag, right? I'm just saying, you know, G is behind a Giants team that has uh, poor quarterback play. Although, or excuse me, I should say that in the past tense now with Danny Dimes. I, I shouldn't insult him like that. Um, you know, poor wide receiving options uh, that uh, maybe he was going to get hit a little more often than maybe some other running backs uh, in his tier on some better teams. Yeah, um, that's not really what happened, though. No, it was a screen pass and he twisted his ankle. But you know what? A win's a win, Pat. You know how many wins I get? Not many, so we're going to take them. Yeah, you're really diving into, like, Andercust territory here, just gripping at, like, stuff that is completely out of your control. Not really what you predicted, and when it happens, you're just taking full credit for it. So I appreciate the commitment to being a guest on this show, because that's what all my guests do. I mean, hey, you know, it's uh, 
you know, Tim's got a brand. So you you got to try to uh, trample on it at all times. Is just being wrong a brand? I mean, you are somewhat closely associated with that. I am low-key associated with that. People just don't give me enough credit for being wrong all the time. But is that now a brand? Because I said that like the green polo was your brand. Maybe it's being wrong. I mean, people are going to say what they want to say, right? I mean, you know, people people can try to force narratives on there. You know, facts are the facts, you know. Uh, I have zero Saquon Barkley across 200 teams, and uh, so that's going to go work out pretty well for me. How in God's name do you manage 200 teams and actively play DraftKings every week? So 150 of them are draft, or 170 of them are just draft and holds. So I don't have to do any like pickups and all that stuff. It's kind of just done. So, um, but I have like 20 or 30 I manage. Uh, basically, Wednesdays I wake up and I just start doing waivers. It's a whole lot of fun, Pat. Yeah, it's not like I the last year I was at actually two years before I left fantasy. I think I was in 49 season long teams because I said yes to everyone who would do it. And I had to hire an intern to manage my waivers and my Sunday moves because I couldn't do my job at that point. (laughs) It's it it definitely is a challenge. But uh, once you kind of have a routine, it kind of just goes naturally. I guess so. All right, let's actually dig into these running backs here on a more serious matter. Christian McCaffrey is the highest-priced player on the board. He is $8,800. Dalvin Cook is eighty-three. Austin Eckler is 8000 Melvin Gordon, I don't think he's going to be back this week, but it's, you know, there's rumors circulating that he's coming back sooner rather than later. Then he drops all the way down to Gurley at 7000 David Johnson, Mark Ingram, Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry, Marlon Mack, and Leo Leonard Fournette. Uh, at $6,000. Those are all your running backs around $6,000 and up. Is this a week to pay up at the running back position? I mean, Christian McCaffrey, I think, is still the number one option on the board. Um, Kyle Allen really wasn't uh, like Cam Newton and all about the dump down pass. Only had four targets last week. So I think that's a little bit of a concern. If you're looking at running back upside, you're looking for guys that are going to have lots of those cheap receptions that add up points quickly. I'm not quite sure that he's going to have that reception ceiling. I mean, he, he does have that reception ceiling. The question is just how much of that was Arizona, like giving him opportunities to throw the football down the field, and how much of that was like he just doesn't like the check down. Well, um, well, if we have to like wager on these sorts of things, I would say that the lack of pass rush from the Cardinals and allowing Kyle Allen time to actually throw the ball down the field is probably the more likely scenario that when now they're squaring off against a Texans team that is going to put pressure on him. Like he's not going to look as good this week. I know the Texans have given up a bunch of fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks, but having him face this sort of pass rush. I mean, he starts in week 17, then he starts against the Cardinals. This is like the first real test with big boy defense coming at him. And once J.J. Watson is faced, it feels like it might be dump off city. Yeah, it absolutely could. And honestly, the rest of the top tier isn't that great. Like Dalvin Cook against Chicago is a really tough ask at the full price tag at 8,300. Austin Eckler against Miami. I mean, how long are they going to need him? You know, how long is it before the Justin Jackson? So 8,000, you kind of need him to be the guy for four quarters. Possible. I'm not sure that I would really count on that. So I think if you're paying up, it kind of is McCaffrey by default. Well, I think you can make a case for Austin Eckler, especially with this news that Melvin Gordon might come back uh, as soon as potentially next week. There's no confirmation on that, but they might just run him into the ground. You're like, do you think Eckler keeps this job once Gordon's back? Because I kind of think he might. No, I think it'll be a timeshare. I think it'll be a 60-40 timeshare type deal. Like, like in season, I know what they did last year. Like, like in season long, are you selling Austin Eckler right now, do you think? 
before this game against the Dolphins in the even if it doesn't happen for three weeks knowing that Melvin Gordon is coming back you got your three awesome games out of him and hey you drafted him in like the 10th or 11th round whatever it was I think that's good enough now you can get some value for it I mean I was really hoping obviously to get the Miami game first right and then sell um tough tougher to do now with the Melvin Gordon news it's probably tough to get full value you probably need to ride this one out yeah I actually kind of like uh, Austin Eckler in the spot even at eight thousand dollars because it kind of comes down to the Zeke thing last week one we're now playing with perception from what we saw with Dallas that Tony Pollard came in and played 26 percent of the snaps you know did substantial work uh, at least in you know fantasy points wise against the Dolphins that now everyone just thinks the Chargers are going to do that but I don't anticipate that much of a bigger split between Eckler and Jackson than we've already been seeing unless they get up by like 35 points and if they get up by 35 points you'd have to think Austin Eckler has done some damage along the way I think the thing for me, though, is that Austin Eckler at 8,000 is pretty touchdown dependent. Like, if we just took away his touchdowns so far this season, you would just look and he gets you about 20 to 15 fantasy points a game. And that's nice. But to, like, be worth 8,000, you're really going to have to get two touchdowns out of him. That's just always a tough ask, to ask for any particular player to get two touchdowns to pay off their price tag. I think that's my biggest concern. Yeah, but if we're going to look at a matchup where that's entirely possible, it is this matchup against the Dolphins. Like, McCaffrey doesn't necessarily need to score two touchdowns to hit his value, and he's even more expensive. Right, but I think we would acknowledge that he probably has a higher workload than uh, Austin Eckler. Like, Austin Eckler this season, 18 touches, 23 touches, and 16 touches. Like, he's not the 30-touch guy that Christian McCaffrey is. Like, no, I'm not saying, no, yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah, but, but hold on a second. Like, the value of those touches are a little bit different. Like, you said, there is some concern with Kyle Allen, how much he's going to dump it off to Christian McCaffrey when we just parse out Eckler's touches over those three games. How many of those are catches versus rushes? I mean, we, he's had six or seven catches in every game, but he also has one target that he hasn't caught. Like, that kind of efficiency rate isn't going to continue either. I mean, it's not like they're throwing wheel routes to him 40 yards down the field. It's basically just dink and dunk with him. They're high, they're high percentage pass plays. That's why that, no, no pass play is 95%. And that's what we're at. I mean, the pass plays that he is running out in the flat five yards in front of Phillip Rivers, he should be completing those at a 95% rate. But th- that doesn't happen in them. That doesn't happen like he should. We would expect that to happen, but that's just not that's not going to happen. He's not going to catch ninety five percent of his targets all season long. If you're not asking, I mean, what did I mean? I think Doug Baldwin had one at some point. Uh, he had like an eighty nine percent catch rate, and those were like real routes down the field. Like it can happen if you're making the if you're making the pass routes and the catches as easy as possible, which Rivers has been doing to Eckler. I see no reason why like all of a sudden he gets eight targets in this game and catches two of them. Like he no, should not, he should I'm have five he should have five six or seven catches again this week because even when we look at the Chargers offense, like their propensity to throw on first down to their running backs is exceptionally high. And that, that's all great. I totally understand all that. But we're talking about a guy who probably isn't going to ca- get a bonus anywhere. Um, so, again, you're just really counting on him being super efficient this week. This week. And I'm not saying he can't be that. I'm just saying that for a player that's going to be, like, be likely chalk, like, there's a lot of warning flags here at AK. All right, so if we go down to that 6000 to $8,000 level, the David Johnsons, the Gurleys, the Fournettes, Strikes me as everyone's probably going to gravitate towards Ingram and potentially David Johnson. Maybe Marlon Mack at home against the Raiders, a six and a half point favorites. I really like the idea of Marlon Mack here. 
I, I know the Raiders' run defense has been pretty stout this year, but they also haven't really faced any running backs that I would call um, elite. Wait, so, are you say, did you say the Raiders or the Colts? The Raiders haven't faced any elite running backs. I mean, Dave, Dalvin Cook is pretty good. I'm not going to lie to you. Okay, and he went absolutely bonkers. Yeah. I, I, I'm just saying, other than Dalvin Cook, like the first two weeks they didn't face anyone, week three, Dalvin Cook went bonkers. Like, people are going to look at the red number and say, oh, Oakland's seventh against the run. Like, that's pretty misleading. Yeah, no, I, yes, I, I, I think you're right on that. Like, even though Denver's going to try to run the ball, they got behind in that game and they had to throw. That props it up. It is really weird because uh, I, I wasn't actually even looking on the DraftKings page. I'm just, I had the salaries printed out in front of me because I don't like to be swayed by those green and red numbers, especially this early in the season. I think a lot of people might look, I, I think you're right. I think a lot of people will look at that red number and be like, oh, bad matchup. Can't do this. Yeah, and I think it's the exact opposite. I think it's a really good matchup. He's a guy who's been getting the vast majority of the work. And for 6,100, that's a pretty nice price. And Derrick Henry, 6,300 isn't all that bad of an option either against Atlanta. Well, you know Derrick Henry is going to get the ball on first down because that's every first down play for the Titans is turn around and hand the ball to Derrick Henry. Atlanta might be prepared for that. I don't know. But if they would just, like, even if you look at the snap shares, I know he's still getting all the touches to be a running back one right now in the goal line work, but although he doesn't touch the ball, Deion Lewis is on the field a lot. It's really bizarre how the Titans run this offense. Yeah, I think if you did up a head, uh, or neutral game script, the, the amount of snaps Derrick Henry plays will be would look a lot higher. When they're behind, obviously, they're going to use Deion Lewis. Um, I, I think this is actually a game Tennessee can win. So I'm not really preparing myself for a game where Tennessee is going to be playing from behind. I think they could be playing from the front here. Well, I think one of the big, like, if we're thinking about just, like, pivot plays in this range, I think that both Leonard Fournette and Chris Carson come with a lot of stink on them right now. And if Rashad Penny sits again with his hamstring injury as five-point favorites, I'm not entirely convinced that Chris Carson was benched for the entire game because he fumbled. I think that he ended up seeing the pine because you can put in CJ Pro sites in a game where you're down by a ton because you know that he's the superior pass catcher. He's going to go run routes for you. But as five-point favorites in this game, with the Cardinals running so many plays if seattle can stay up here like this could be a really good opportunity to get a low own chris carson into your lineup all true i think he got benched for the fumbles so that's gonna be really tough and then he came in on that fourth down run and didn't get it and i think that was the last we saw of him certainly the last time i remember seeing him on the field after that yeah but that Uh, was was the only obvious running play left in that game and they specifically brought in the guy they quote-unquote benched to come in and run the ball like if Seattle and this, if you think the Cardinals win this game, then obviously he's a terrible play because he won't be on the field if they're playing catch up and always in throw mode. But if this is a game script where they have to run and Penny does sit, it's going to be Carson running the ball. I, I totally get your point, and you're absolutely right. The fact that I'm hesitating is, is basically proving your entire point. I acknowledge that. I think ProSize is a little bit of a bigger risk to just start this game than you're giving credit for. Maybe, but I just, if we're going to talk about a game where, and again, this is all predicated on the fact that Seattle needs to be up in this game. I just don't see them running pro sites up the middle 25 times or even 15 times or hell, even 10 times. Like if he gets five carries in this game, I'd kind of be stunned. Yeah, I, I, I get your point. I totally see it. I just think for me, I'm going to go to other options on Seattle first. Um, well, well, I totally here- get serious. 
Well, I, I mentioned off the top that Will Disley is like the ultimate chalk this week at his price point, knowing Arizona is just terrible against tight ends, at least so far this season. That could be a product of the opponent that they've played, or maybe they're just bad. And if you pass on them, that everyone's going to do well, and no matter who's open. But that I think that's an interesting pivot. Like, do you feasibly think you can fade Will Disley this week? Yes. And if you do fade Will Disley, doesn't Chris Carson make sense as the low-owned potential benefactor if he's not scoring the red zone touchdowns? I think I personally would go Tyler Lockett first just for his target workload and the depth of those targets. But I, I, I totally understand the Chris Carson point. I think I just have another cheap back that I just feel a little more comfortable with. All but right. I totally get your point. Okay. Well, I mean, Leonard Fournette's right there too. He just took a beating, um, at least online, uh, on the Twitter machines outside of one big run. He was putrid against the Tennessee Titans. Now he's had the entire 10 days off. He gets Denver, who's been susceptible to, I mean, they should have a really good defense, but apparently they don't have a really good defense that, you know, if we talk about like workload, like McCaffrey-esque workload, that's what Fournette is getting. Like no one wants to use him because everyone thinks he's fat, slow, and sucks, but he's a good price. He's going to touch the ball all the time. And yeah, maybe he rushes for negative seven yards and it turns out to be stupid. But if we're just talking about volume versus draft, like versus like DraftKings price right now, Fournette actually sets up kind of well. Yeah, I again, it's a, I just, it's a, I get the situation. It's just a player that I just have no interest in. Yeah, but isn't this the sort of leverage that we should be looking for? No one wants to play Carson. No one wants to play Fournette. These are good running backs if given the proper. Uh, I would dispute. I would just dispute the. They are good running backs. I okay, think. they are running backs that are in fantasy positive situations. How about that? Okay, so is on Johnson at fifty four hundred. You like carry and on? You do you like do you really? No, no, I, I don't. I'm just saying. Like, I just what? Why would you play those guys over carry on? Like, are we positive that in a potential very negative game script, and we haven't really seen that so far from Detroit this season, that if they follow a touchdown, two touchdowns behind to the Chief, are we convinced that it's going to be carry on on the field the entire time? No, but again, this is not like a 14 point spread. It's a six. It's not. They're not even a touchdown favorite. So why are we just assuming that Kansas City's been playing from way in front? Uh, I mean, one of my favorite bets of the week is going to be Kansas City minus six. Like uh, Detroit has played these. Detroit has played these stinky games so far. They want to slow the pace down. I get all of that. But they should have lost all three of their games, and they yet to have an L on their record so far. That when they face probably the best team in the league, uh, especially if Darius Slay doesn't play, like they're in big time trouble. Oh yeah, well that's a different story. I don't, I don't. I wouldn't disagree with you at that point. Like if we're in that situation, you're gonna gamble on someone down there in that like low five thousand dollar area. No, I have a four thousand running back that I just absolutely love. I was gonna say that Josh Jacobs is probably a better bet to at least score touchdowns uh, against the Colts. Like that's a, a six and a half point spread to a six point spread. It's very similar in that. And we're coming off a week where everyone now again like Fournette, like Carson, everyone hates Josh Jacobs, but he should be significantly healthier than he was a week ago. And the Colts run defense especially now we don't know if Leonard's going to play or not he probably will and that would be a big you know x against him but no Malik Hooker in the secondary that Jacobs could get going in this game and he's one of the few running backs in football at least so far this season that we've seen that once the Raiders eventually if they do get inside the red zone he's the one getting the carries yeah absolutely but he also like is just drawing dead in the passing game so that's always tough for me is on, especially on draft games to play a running back that I know, like just literally has no 
receiving upside whatsoever. I don't know if he has no receiving upside. There were murmurs this week that Gruden wants to get him more involved in the passing game. I mean, you you love college football. From what people tell me, Josh Jacobs was actually a pretty good receiver uh, coming out of college that maybe it was just a product of the injury. Like whenever you see like DeAndre Washington playing like more than two snaps a game, there's something wrong with that running back. And maybe he's not back to full health and we'll see more of that. But I would think just based on pure upside alone, playing or Jalen Rocket Richard is never a great idea. No, I'm not disputing that, but they let John Gurren prove to me that he's actually going to give Josh Jacobs receiving work before I just start projecting that in. Okay. Um, so who is it from this lower 4,000? Because you've hated every running back so far. So who are the running backs you actually like? I, I, I liked Marlon Mack. I like Derrick Henry. I, I totally understand your Chris Carson play, and I could definitely see myself warming up to that as the week goes on. If I start seeing ownership that's like 3 to 4%, and I can read reports out of Seattle that, you know, Carson's the guy, I could definitely see that. Um, but for me, uh, at 4,400, it's Rex Burkhead. Um, the Pats have been hilariously inefficient with Sony Michelle this year. Uh, he's averaging 2.5 yards per carry. And yes, while Tom Brady's play action pass rate and success rate is higher with Michelle on the field, I think with James Devlin heading to IR, this could be the Rex Burkhead backfield for the next few weeks. Uh, he's been really successful, uh, had 18 touches last week. I think that he's going to get more involved, not less. And against Buffalo, I think they're going to kind of need someone that they can kind of run and pass with. And right now, that's Rex. See, I would go – I actually kind of agree with you that the role for Burkhead isn't going to change so much, especially because of Sony Michelle. But when I think about the opponent here, I think we're going to see a lot of sets, especially with James Devlin out and Edelman banged up and Gordon banged up, that James White is in a perfect spot this week for what he does best. They're going to be facing a lot of pass rush. The offensive line is banged up. Brady's going to have to get the ball out quickly, and that could – be Rex Burkhead, but I know that's going to be a lot of James White, a lot in the passing game, and he has baby swag siege. That's always a thing you want to target in fantasy. Trust me. Yeah, he does have he does have uh, that going for him. What's his price? I can't find him. He's forty nine hundred. Very nice price. I'm just a little. I kind of need to see what the Pats' injury situation works looks, looks like because if he's going to play slot, that would look pretty concern me there. Because I want the guy who's in the backfield. I don't really want the guy playing slot this week. Yeah, but it, yeah. Do, it does appear like Edelman is going to play. And the, they're probably not going to play like double slot with White and Edelman. He might end up motioning out and get lining up as a receiver like half the time. But it just feels like he's going to be on the field a lot in this game just to try to alleviate some of the pressure the Bills are going to bring. My biggest concern is that the Pats just haven't seemed like they want to play James White. And... I'm just not sure if that is the situation. The fact they were up 33 to three and they've won 45 zero the two games he played, or if this is really just kind of a, like, we don't really need you till January anyways. Why don't you just chill and get like eight touches a game? Yeah. I, I think, I, I think it really depends on game flow here. Like, Buffalo is not above getting shellacked by the Patriots this weekend. They are seven-point dogs at home. I do think that the defense for the Bills can keep this competitive at least for, let's say, three quarters and keep the game somewhat tight. And historically, over the past two years, when the game is tight and Brady actually has to pass because the run isn't working, that's when James White actually gets involved and does his best work. And that's the game that I envision here for the Patriots and Bills. Yeah, I, I could totally see playing James White. I think for me, I think right now the – if you told me like the Pats are trusting one guy to either run or receive right now, I think that's Rex Burkhead. And that's why I lean him over white, but white obviously has a huge ceiling anytime he touches the ball. 
Well, let, let's get to the elephant in the room here. Everyone spent all their fab bucks on him this week. He is priced in the mid $4,000 range. Everyone seems to be on board that Wayne Gallman's not very good, but he's going to get an awful lot of volume unless somehow between this recording and Sunday they go out and sign, I don't know, CJ Anderson or Jay Ajayi or me to play in the backfield. Maybe they'll end up going with them instead of Gallman. But if Gallman retains this like workhorse back role, going to play 70 or plus percent of the snaps in the Giants backfield, like what do you do with them? Do you use them here? Like we talk about like free squares at running back when injuries open up opportunity and you just gravitate towards those guys. But is Gallman actually one of those guys? I think they priced him up to the point where you can think about fading him. Like, it's not like he's 3,300 and you kind of just have to plug and play. Uh, I think at 46, it's a legitimate conversation. For me, I think I would rather just play Evan Ingram and Sterling Shepard than Wayne Gallman against the Washington secondary that we've just seen give up passing yards to even Mitch Trubisky. Um, I, I kind of think I would rather go the pass catching game route here than Wayne Gallman. But, you know, Wayne Gallman could easily have 10 carries for 60 yards and three touchdowns. I don't think that's out of the question. I just don't think the player is very good and I'm not going to really roster him unless I really need to. Like if he's going to be 35 plus percent owned, I just have no interest. Yeah. I I think this usually I don't, concern myself with ownership with these cheap guys when it comes down to it especially at running back if I can project volume but I'm not entirely convinced like a lot like there are paths where like Elijah Penny ends up you know stealing like goal line touches and if that's the case then you're absolutely screwed yeah and it's he's pressured on other guys that have a lot of upside and while Wayne Goldman like has a nice floor I'm not sure he has the ceiling of James White Devonta Freeman, Josh Jacobs, who are all just a few hundred dollars more. I, I can see how Wayne Goldman shock just doesn't really like it's okay, but it doesn't win you tournaments because of the other options around him. Yeah, and especially now that Daniel Jones actually has a bit of mobility, he could potentially steal goal line touchdowns as well. well so, last weekend. Yeah, I mean, now it's funny. I made this point and someone I, and rightfully called me out for it. Just like now that they have, there's a like actual NFL regular season tape on Daniel Jones. Maybe coaches can break down and study what he does well, what he doesn't try to take away. So it's not surprising to see that he's super fast now. You know, the Redskins should know that, but it's the Redskins. And who even knows if their coach like wakes up halfway through games or does any film study because the results would lead you to believe that they don't. I just can't really imagine the Washington defense being the defense that really kind of gets this all figured out. I, I, I think we're going to kind of have to let someone else figure out Danny Dimes. I don't think it's going to be this week. All right. Before we get off running backs, there are three at the bottom that are just like plug your nose you know they're going to get volume and you hope it works out do you have a preference between these guys or is it none of them you have frank gore down at forty four hundred dollars you have carlos hyde at forty three hundred dollars now if they sign cj anderson then all bets are off with hyde and then adrian peterson at forty three hundred dollars this giants defense you know didn't improve it's not good uh i know adrian peterson is also not good and the redskins aren't good but this is a less than field goal spread right now any game that is close with Washington, even games where they're getting blown out, they still give Adrian Peterson the ball. If they can keep this close, or somehow like they're up by three or up by seven for like half this game, Peterson's going to see 20-plus carries. You sure about that? Yeah, I am. That feels really optimistic to me. This game kind of has a shootout feel to it. I was going to say, like, none of the above give me Chris Thompson. It, it 
does strike me like when you look at the snap percentages between Thompson and Peterson, they turn to Thompson on the passing, like third down passing, and once the game is sort of out of hand for them and they're way behind. Like what we've seen, and it's a very small sample, obviously, that could be completely untrue going into week four and what we see on the field as results. But Washington strikes me as a team that, yeah, I get the game total is very high in this game. I think of a lot of it is just an overreaction to last week in the Giants. You know, the New York market is all fired up. They're all betting on the Giants this week that I think the Redskins are super live not only to win this game, but slow down the pace and just really muck it up with New York. Are we sure that Washington even wants to slow down the pace? I don't think we have any evidence of that either. Like, I, I, well, when when are they? They were a positive game for week one, and they were throwing the football all over the place. This is true, but they didn't have Adrian Peterson then. Okay, but I mean, Adrian Peterson so far hasn't gotten more than twelve carries in a game. Like, I, I think you're just way overemphasizing the idea. Washington wants to slow it down. Like, I, Washington I, has McLaurin F one. McLaren's are not slow. They like to be fast. I, I think Washington wants to be a pace up team. If you can't tell, I really like this game to shoot out. Yeah, apparently you do. Like maybe they look at the results of how their high paced offense is working and maybe they don't want to get into shootouts with people. Maybe slowing it down and playing a more Detroit style game could potentially be more effective to actually winning. They tried that last week. That didn't work out very well for them. I mean, they didn't really try it last week. They, they got down by 21 points immediately. <laughs> Yeah, and then they started throwing the football and got themselves back into it. And then they try to run the football again. And that's when they turned over the football and then when they were making a run. Like, I think Washington could be a good offense if they just went three wide and just threw the ball 50 times. I really do. Yeah, I mean, if they can actually provide some sort of protection. If, they, if Trent Williams was back, maybe. But I just, I mean, he's under siege. Case we're going to talk about Keith Keenan when we get to quarterbacks, too. So don't we can save this for them. Okay, we'll save it for that. I, I think the answer to the question of those old running backs, I just wanted to have the discussion of them, is none of the above because we've identified the better plays. Like, Gallman is objectively a better play than all those three guys. I think James White is, and potentially even Rex Burkett at this point. If I had to have one, I would take Carlos Hyde. Yeah, I don't even feel great about that. That's the I don't problem. either, but if, I, if you force me to pick one, that's the one I would take. Would you use Justin Jackson at all? He just hasn't had a big enough workload yet for me to do it. And I think some people are going to see the Tony Pollard success and do it. And he's not like 3,000 like Tony Pollard was. He's 4,100. I, I would just stay away. All right. CJ Prosize at 4,000. Like, if you think he, if you think Carson's done, not the craziest idea. Yeah, but did, does anyone really think, like, if Penny doesn't play, does anyone think that Carson is just done? Like, he's not going to have a role at all in this offense? Good enough that if you expect, like, you would have to project. And I know you love the Cardinals, and they're going to make the playoffs and potentially win this division. But Boy, that, that, that Kyler Murray tape uh, was really bad last week. Uh, I, I think we are uh, backing off that tape a little bit. Oh, you can't pump the brakes on that now. It's it's now time to triple down on Kyle. I actually think Kyler Murray's been like, all right. They have it's almost like the Baker situation where if you put them behind even a slightly below average offensive line, they might look a whole lot better. The, the second half tape was real, and I I had like basically seventy percent Kyler last week, and things were going great through three quarters. Like the game was shooting out. I had game stacks everywhere. It was going great. And then you turn on the coach's tape for the last quarter and a half, and you literally wonder what happened to him. He was, was gun shy. It was it was scary to watch. All right, let's switch to wide. Not that that's going to stop me from going back to him this week, but uh, <laughs> it was it was not a pleasant experience. All right, let's switch to wide receivers. Julio comes in as the priciest guy on DraftKings on the main slate. He's seventy eight hundred bucks. He's followed by Hopkins, Keenan Allen, Odell, 
Mike Evans, and well, I guess Tyreek Hill is not playing, but he would be also a price at $7,000. Then you have Sammy Watkins, Adam Thielen, Julian Edelman, Cooper Cup, T.Y. Hilton, who's iffy to play right now. I don't even have him in my rankings. I don't think that he's going to play. That can be updated on Friday's show, though, so tune into that with me and Chris Meany. Uh, Brennan Cooks, Robert Woods, Chris Godwin. That's your $6,000 to $8,000 wide receivers. But before we get to those guys, uh, there are two I want to talk about in particular. As contrarian plays, are these contrarian plays or bad plays this week? Because no one's going to use them, Siege. Robert Woods is one, Stefan Diggs is the other. I'm, I'm just off the Diggs train. I, I just don't think the Vikings want to throw the football and I'm not against the bears. That feels like kind of just stupid. Robert Woods is a guy that I'm, I really believe in. I think this could be a, a Mike Evans ish spot. I don't expect him to go get three touchdowns, but I think this definitely could be a get right spot. You know, the guy has had 23 targets over those first three games, just hasn't found paid dirt yet. They are giving him those rushing attempts. Um, I, I think that Robert Woods is going to be fine. I think this is just kind of a situation where he just hasn't gone off yet. Doesn't mean he won't. Um, I think if, for example, if Robert Woods scored a touchdown against Carolina, I don't think anyone's freaking out here. So I, I do think this is a good buy low on Robert Woods. Uh, this is a situation where I think everyone's going to gravitate towards Keenan Allen. And if they pass on the very high end wide receivers, the guy that you mentioned earlier, Tyler Lockett will end up being the most popular receiver from that $6,000. Wait, Julio's not the mega chalk. What's that? Julio's not mega chalk. No, Keenan Allen's right below him. Why wouldn't you play Julio Jones? Because Hilton was just running laps around Tennessee. Listen, I'm just telling you, I guarantee you people will be going to Keenan Allen here. I don't even think oh, a lot well, of that's some, I will be playing all the Julio Jones then. That sounds great to me. All right, so Julio Jones is your favorite of the $7,000 receivers? It, it, ownership factored in, apparently, yes. Okay, let, let, let's factor out ownership from everything. Objectively, out of the five guys above $7,000, who would be your personal favorite? Because Keenan Allen, I do think, is in the best spot. Yeah, I think he's in the... Uh, I just really trust Xavier Howard. And if he shadows Keenan, I, I think for me, that would be like, I know it's Keenan Allen and he's going to get targets, but are we really projecting 14 targets a week for the rest of the season? Like I, I know Hunter Henry's out and Mike Williams has been limited, but that's a lot of targets to average. Like I, I think I, tr- I think Keenan Allen's in the best spot. I trust Julio more. It's a weird matchup for Atlanta. Feinberg and I talked about this on the spread pick show, and you kind of alluded to it off the top. You kind of like Tennessee on this in this spot that it seems like sort of a clash of styles where you get like a smash mouth type team versus a really big finesse team that I could see Tennessee just kind of not necessarily shutting down Atlanta, but almost again, like mucking it up to the point where it's a bit tougher for them than maybe they expect. And then Julio does what he did last week and just goes off in the second half, or maybe that was in the Minnesota game. I can't remember now, but it feels like a lot of his work outside of that primetime game against Philly has been done in the second half so far, like when they get down and then they need to come back. That might not be on the table here because the game is just super close the entire time. Maybe, but this is the best receiver in football. And the reason why he wasn't being treated as such in fantasy was because he wasn't scoring touchdowns and they've solved that problem. So, like, he just is underpriced at 7,800. He's going to be a guy that's in the eight, that high 8,000s before the season's over. So, let me just keep, I'm just going to play him every week until the price corrects. All right. So, of the $6,000 guys, you mentioned Lockett earlier about how you'll just play him instead of Walt Disley. But is there anyone else in the 6K range you can see yourself gravitating towards? 
Robert Woods and Chris Godwin. I think this is a good Chris Godwin bounce back spot. Like Mike Evans stole the show last week, but again, uh, Godwin's been getting a good amount of targets and they do look for him in the red zone a bunch. So I, I'm perfectly happy going back to Chris Godwin in some game stack. All right, so if the $5,000 receivers, it kicks off with Josh Gordon, then Galladay, Sterling Shepard, Hollywood Brown, Tyrell Williams, Allen Robinson. Larry Fitz still priced pretty reasonably, actually, at $5,600. Then you have your DJ Moores, your D.D. Westbrook, Stephen Diggs, who we talked about, the Kansas City receivers, uh, Robinson and Hardman, and John Brown is in that mix as well, as is Marvin Jones, DJ Chark, uh, Christian Kirk, Jarvis Landry. I think think that it might be a decent time to go back to Galladay this week against the Chiefs because he busted everyone up last week in a situation where you know, he was super highly owned. It was a fantastic spot against the Eagles, and they just didn't need him. It was everyone else who did the damage for them, that this could be a really decent spot with a potential high volume to use him this week. And other than that, I'm having a tough time wrapping my mind around who I like second best of this giant group. There's a bunch of options I like. I'm not on the Kenny Galladay train. I think Detroit's going to really try to muck up that game against Kansas City. Like, they just can't get a shootout with Kansas City. That's just not going to work. Yeah, They're but like, the, listen, you, you can do whatever you want to try to not get into a shootout with Kansas City, but then it's also Kansas City, and they might just post 21 on you in three drives, then, you know, game on. I mean, sure, but that's, again, we always look at the game flow that's most positive that for our situation and the guys we want to play, but we have to ask ourselves, like, okay, what about the other game flows where – Maybe the game, like maybe Detroit gets out to a 10 nothing lead. How does that work for Kenny Galladay? And I, I would just honestly say not very well. No, it, it, uh, it doesn't. But when we're trying to pick players for our DraftKings lineup, don't we try to pencil out the optimal situation? And then who has the highest upside in that situation? Isn't that how you would lead yourself to a tournament win? But you also have to figure out how often that situation is going to actually occur versus would, the consensus, right? So, like, if everyone thinks that that game's going to shoot out, then okay then but there's a solid percentage of the time that you're not considering it when you're rostering that certain player maybe you're right but i just don't think that people are going to go back like he's not going to carry a high ownership tag after busting last week i think people are just stacking kansas city games every week so i think kenny galladay will be i don't think it'll be like super chalky but i don't think it's gonna be like contrarian to play kenny galladay all right so if you were trying to find a piece of that game that was contrarian is it sammy Watkins then because everyone's just going to play hardman and robinson yeah, probably. But I, again, like, I think that game's going to get mucked up. I really don't see myself taking a huge stand on Kansas City this week. All right. So, so taking out Kenny Dolliday from that $5,000 range, you had mentioned Sterling Shepard a bit earlier. It does sound like you're on full game stack with Giants Redskins, which means that Ingram and Sterling Shepard would find your way into, find their way into your lineups then? That sounds exactly like what's going to happen. I really like Sterling Shepard this week. I think uh, Larry Fitzgerald is in another good spot against the Seattle secondary. Like I, I know I said that Kyler's tape didn't look good, but this is a Seattle secondary that gave up 400 plus yards to Andy Dalton and let Teddy Bridgewater march right all over him at home. If you can't get it right now, he, he just might not this year. So uh, I'm perfectly happy going back to Fitz as well. Hmm. Who would be next for you? Because I am having a tough time. Like I don't mind DJ Moore, but Curtis Samuel at least appeared to have a bit more of a rapport with Kyle Allen. And this is just a completely different situation for him. A lot of people might gravitate towards Chark. Uh, maybe DD Westbrook is someone to look at, but maybe just stay away from that game is probably the best way to go about it. Like, Kirk, uh, Kirk may the next. Yeah. Like, do you have a preference between the Kansas city guys, Robinson or Hardman? Probably Hardman for me. 
I think that he's been getting more of the deeper looks. I know Robinson had that one huge game, but I think Hardman's been more consistently that threat, even though like the McCoy, I think if the McCoy hold doesn't happen, he's higher owned than Robinson. And I'm not quite sure that that's going to be the case. Uh, After disappointing everyone last week, do you think that Hollywood Brown ends up being like sub 3% owned here with all the, it just feels like this, why, if we can figure out who the wide receivers in this range are the one, the one or two that are going to hit, it does feel like a lot of people are just going to overlook this range. They'll either pay up or pay down a lot more than this if they don't use the Chiefs guys. Can I just talk about how Mike Williams is the best leverage spot in the world off Keenan Allen? That's actually a really good call. It almost be like it was almost like last week. People who used Marvin Jones instead of Kenny Holiday. Yeah, like everyone's like, oh, it's gonna be Eckler and it's gonna be Keenan Allen for sure. And it's like, well, Mike Williams is a beast. I know he was super limited in that Detroit game, but you know he looked a little healthier last week. Another week, another week this week. I think his knee's gonna be in better shape. I mean, he's a red zone freak. And if they do shadow Keenan Allen, it, the targets could just funnel to Mark, to Williams. Yeah, I think that both of the guys who are probably the best pivots off of like the chalky smash spot receivers are both 4,800 bucks. One is Mike Williams and one is DK Metcalf. Yeah, I, I think DK is in a phenomenal spot as well. Um, and he's a red zone beast as well. So, you know, the Seattle-Arizona game could just shoot out, but really tough for me to just like be all gung-ho about it after I was gung-ho about it last week and it just fell apart in the fourth quarter. Yeah, but the pace of play is still keeping up for the Cardinals. It'll be interesting to see what Seattle does on their side of the ball. Like if they can jump out to a lead, we, we talk about Detroit trying to muck it up. Like Seattle actively tries to muck up every game that where they hold like a three-point lead. I'm just worried that the tapes, like I think the, the secret might be out on how to stop Kyler for a while. Because ah. Carolina just went into a ton of zone, rushed four, and Kyler was just afraid to make deep throws. Like, if you look at his chart, like, all his throws were within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage, and you, that's not what Kyler Murray is. He's a short, 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 deep, and if you're not ever going to go deep, like, that offense is just going to fall apart. What would you project Terry McLaurin's ownership at $4,500 being? Through the roof. But if I'm game stacking it, I'm not fading him. No, but like, let's say you weren't game stacking that game, just as an objective player at $4,500. Is he someone that you're using? Because I, I think you almost have to. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of the player. Like, he's not going to catch a touchdown every week, but I'm just a huge fan of the player. He's a beast. Like, you know, big pedigree out of Ohio State. I don't know how he fell in the third round. Like, I, I just think he's been awesome. Um. I really wish Cole Beasley wasn't as expensive as he was. I really wish he was like $3,700 this week. Cause I think he's in a really nice spot against the Patriots because John Brown is just going to be absolutely taken out of this game. They're going to force Josh Allen to making these little dink and dunk passes. And then we could almost see almost like how Jamison Crowder put up 14 catches against the bills in week one. It feels like that's going to be this Cole Beasley game against the Patriots this week. I don't know if there's any upside in that he'd have to score, but it feels like he's going to get ample opportunity to get, see the ball at least. I'm just worried that this Pat, I mean, from a, I'm Pat's fan. I enjoy this, but from a rostering players against the Pats, they just might be the best defense we've seen in a long time. Yeah, but the, Bill, the Bills are still going to have to, like, try to score points in this game. And I don't think that running it up the gut for two yards with Frank Gore or bombing it to John Brown is going to be super successful against the Patriots. But we've seen this now with the Steelers, the Dolphins, and the Jets. Like, no one had any success moving the ball, even in garbage time. So, 
I don't know. I, I, I would just stay away from all p- players against the Pats until future, until further notice. All right. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, like I said, he's too expensive to play. I just kind of wish he was cheaper trying to get the, like to, to mine that PPR value uh, out of him because I do think that he'll probably see close to double digit targets here. You uh, know what's a nice pivot off of McLaurin now that I think about this too is Paul, P- probably Paul Richardson Jr. He's been playing a ton of snaps. Yeah. P, P. Rich should be in a nice spot here as well. Uh, and he's just a higher upside play than Trey Quinn is. Uh, I would, I actually just assumed that he was going to be in those game stacks that you were talking about along with Terry McLaurin. Yeah. I just want to mention it. Like if you're not playing McLaurin, like I think Richardson's a really nice pivot option. Uh, how do you feel about Preston Williams at $3,900 in this uh, game against the chargers? He seems to be the most capable of all of the dolphins receivers. And it depends on whether you think he's the number one or the number two, because Casey Hayward's going to lock down whoever the number one is. And I'm assuming that's Devonte Parker and the chargers have really struggled against every other place on the field in defending the pass. I'm just not sure it's Devontae Parker. But I like I if 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 it if they do put him on Parker, then yeah, Williams is gonna be in a really good spot. But I'm just not convinced. Like if I were a defensive coordinator, I'd just be like, all right, Devontae Parker, go beat me, because you have yet to do it in your entire NFL career. I think you're right about that from a sense standpoint, like a sensibility standpoint, but I don't know if that's actually how it's going to play out in reality. Like, yeah, I, think, I don't know. Either. I think I would almost like try to gamble on some upside with Preston Williams here because he's a freak athlete. He can, he can score some of these long touchdowns and come down with it that I, he's cheap. Like there's, there are very few cheap receivers this week that you can really turn to uh, that. You're going to have to roll the dice with someone. Like if it's not him, who in the $3,000 range can you see playing? I mean, Paul Richardson Jr. we talked about. Like, I, I, that was going to be my argument. It's just like, why wouldn't you just play Paul Richardson Jr. over Preston Williams? Like, why take on that risk? The only, I mean, potentially so. The only other one that I see down here at $3,200, now that the Cardinals have cut Michael Crabtree, Keyshawn Johnson's going to see a spike in his snaps played that maybe you just toss him back out there. You already talked about Seattle giving up a ton of fantasy points to wide receivers and passing yards in general. If this is a guy who's going to go from 40% of the snaps to like 80% of the snaps, which should be the case, then you get ultimate value with him. You could go with Bird at 3,300 too, like before Crabtree came in 7-7. I tried that last week. Big fail. Big fail on that part. Yeah, I did too. Now, if Kyler Murray could have hit him in stride, that would have worked out very nicely, but uh, he was not able to do that. Uh, One of his many inaccurate passes in the second half. Um, I I, I just think that, like, Crabtree's definitely going to help those guys out. But, again, like, I just feel a lot better with Paul Richardson, and I don't think he's going to gain any traction. And, you know, without, like, the super stud running backs that I feel like I have to have this week, I'm going to not really have to live down here as much as I have maybe in the other past couple weeks. I I guess, like, if you take McCaffrey, you might have to dip down into this range potentially. Yeah, for one, but it's not like I'm going to need like two of these guys. No, right? but so. I, I I want to try to identify a few of them. Like, is it going to like if you like you play a ton of lineups? Is it going to be a hundred percent Paul Richardson if you dip in this range? I mean, maybe Anthony Miller if Taylor Gabriel sits. I think I'd rather play Keyshawn Johnson in that sense, or Preston Williams over Anthony Miller. Or Preston Williams too. That's probably a good point. The Hunter Renfro week is coming too. I wouldn't mind dabbling in that in that world this week either yeah see that's where that's where cole beasley should be priced along with hunter renfro and danny amandola like you talked about like teams stacking that game do you think people will go to amandola because i i don't really want a part of them but i i can see the path to upside in this game if the game shoots out like a lot of people think that it might yeah i think amandola could be pretty sneaky 
you don't think that the city has been pretty bad against slots. Yeah, it's like you don't think that people are like they're going to use Galladay. They might use Marvin Jones. They might use Hawkinson, but not Amendola. I don't think so. All right. Well, that's interesting. Let's take a break so I can tell you support for DraftKings comes from Manscaped, who is number one in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped creates precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped is forever changing the grooming game with their Perfect Package 2.0. Inside the Perfect Package, you'll find their electric trimmer called the Lawnmower 2.0. This waterproof trimmer features skin-safe technology and will protect you from nicking your sack. All right. You can also create less mess by trimming in the shower. It's time to get clean with this Perfect Package 2.0. Get 20% off your entire order and free shipping with the code DRAFT20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code DRAFT20 now. Your balls will thank you. Back to the show. Let's talk quarterbacks then. The very top of the pricing. Uh, no big shocker that Patrick Mahomes is $7,500. Um, he's in a nice spot. I mean, you probably don't like him as much, but it's hard to really make a case against Patrick Mahomes at this point. The next guys are all in the 6K range at 69. It's Lamar, Brady, Watson, Goff, Rivers, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray. I would expect, unless people just you know break the bank on Mahomes, that Russell Wilson's going to be the one that people put into their lineups. Yeah, probably, but... We all probably should be playing Jared Goff in this spot, right? As painful as that is to say, like, is there a quarterback that hasn't just gone off against the Tampa secondary yet? Cam Newton without his shoulder, but like the other ones have. Yeah, and Cam Newton even put up 333 yards in that game. It took him 51 attempts to actually do it, but he still got there in terms of yardage, just no touchdowns. Yeah, it's an interesting situation for Goff. He's a hard guy to stack with because you could be wrong with the stack that would you consider just playing Goff by himself and constructing a lineup around him? I really like the Robert Woods rebound. So I wouldn't do that. I would just probably plug him in with Woods and then maybe one other guy everywhere, to be honest. Yeah, no, I, I can definitely see that. Does that mean you're probably not going to be using Jared Goff? Cause I'm assuming you're using Case Keenum or Daniel Jones then. No, I, no, I think Jared Goff is right there. Like, I, I think there's right early in the week, you know, I really try not to limit my quarterback options. I try to get, have a pretty big list of guys I'm willing to consider. And then kind of as the week goes towards the end, I kind of cut guys. I, I don't want to cut guys early. Um, I try to wait until the back end of the week to make that decision. But well, Jared Goff will be right there. All right, well, let's talk about the guys that will be in your bucket and then you'll have them kind of whittled down a little bit from the bottom end at least if you're looking to save money i'm assuming case keenum is someone you're considering uh kyle allen is probably someone you're considering daniel jones i actually really like jacoby Brissett at fifty four hundred dollars yeah me too so i actually am not probably playing kyle allen this week it's a pretty the issue is like that's a really tough stack to make like okay let's just say that like the pass rush doesn't affect him and he plays well like there's a lot of guys he can be it could be McCaffrey it could be Samuel it can be DJ Moore it could be Greg Olson who is the guy that I didn't have enough of last week in my stacks like that's a pretty tough stack to make um I think Daniel Jones is pretty simple you plug in Stoning Shepard and Evan Ingram and you move on um you know maybe you can get creative with a couple Darius Slaytons but I wouldn't go crazy there um and Case Keenum, again, pretty simple stack. Paul Richardson and um, McLaurin, F1. Uh, so 
I think those are uh, the guys that are, they're pretty simple stacks to make. So I would lean that direction. Percent if T.Y. plays, I think I would get there. Yeah, well, I think it's sneaky. If Regardless of whether T.Y. plays or not, we're probably not going to know until later in the week anyway, which is just going to bury Brissett because no one... I mean, I don't want to say no one because people are actively making lives. The majority of people that just go to submit lives be like, oh, T.Y. Hilton has a quad injury. He left last week's game. He might only play a half here, so I'm not going to use anyone on the Colts. But let's think about this one of two ways. Let's say we know that Hilton is going to sit. Outside of Ebron, is there any other member of the Colts receiving game that you would consider here? Because I don't know which one it would be. I would consider Deion Kane. You would consider him. Do you think you would actually end up playing him? I, I wouldn't like, I just, he's played when Hilton is out, Hilton is in, he plays like 50% of the snaps and gets like two targets a game. Like that's just not good. He might bust out, but I have, there's no evidence pointing to that. Yeah. I, I don't really think like if I was playing Brissett, I would play Kane, but I just don't think I'd get to Brissett here. Like, I just don't think he's going to ever get a, ahead of golf, Wilson, Murray, Daniel Jones and Case Keenum. Like, so I just don't really think he's ever going to make the cut, but it's possible. I don't want to say it's impossible, but I just don't see it right now. I I could just see Daniel uh, Case Keenum is a bit more of the sneaky one here. Like I could see Daniel Jones being the highest owned quarterback on this slate. And usually quarterback is pretty flat as it pertains to ownership, but I could see a spike there because he's so cheap. Yeah, and I get it, but his rushing up, his rush, his rushing touchdown upside is too high for me. If I love the game to just pass. Yeah, but it's not like Brissett doesn't run. I mean, he didn't rush two touchdowns last week that we all watch, but he's very active in the rushing game when the time called. Maybe this isn't the right game for it because it's against the Raiders, their big favorites, uh, and they just let Merlin Mack do all the heavy lifting. But, you know, push come to shove, Brissett can run. Yeah, I just, I would, I think I just rather would play Case Keenum, who's averaging 311 yards a game, 2.33 touchdowns. Like, and they've been throwing the ball like all the time. Um, the one that we didn't talk about, which is kind of surprising, like, is anyone going to own Lamar Jackson this week? Because he, like Mahomes, he always feels like a guy that you just have to have in your bucket. And if you play even three lineups, just allocate one to Lamar Jackson. He has the highest upside of any quarterback on the slate besides Mahomes. I think that the Lamar Jackson hype might have gotten a little too high just based on Miami and Arizona. Maybe, but his skill set, I mean, are, are you really like when we talk about Daniel Jones, you're talking about a Lamar Jackson skill set for him to reach his upside. And we saw that come through last week. But Lamar is going to be running every single week that if it's one of the week where he hits it on the ground, then all of a sudden you're talking about by far the best quarterback. But again, who are you stocking with, Mark Andrews? You could do Mark Andrews. You could do Hollywood Brown in a rebound week. Like I, it, Hollywood Brown is, uh, I boy, I I'm uh, I'm out on the Hollywood Brown thing. How come? I just don't think the targets are for real. Like I think they're pretty situational based. Like they like he played like ten percent of the snaps in week one and got the two long bombs. Then against Arizona, like their secondary that is awful. And then they also face a Chiefs team whose secondary is awful. Now, if Cleveland doesn't get any of those guys back, sure, by Sunday I could definitely reconsider. But he's expensive. Like he's basically the same price as Robert Woods. Robert Woods is a much better player at this point. So give me Robert Woods. Yeah, I think if, 
if this is going to be a week where people gravitate away from Lamar Jackson after everyone was kind of like riding him because of the potential upside, he's still, like I said, one of the two highest upside ceiling plays on the quarterback slate. And now everyone is off of him. That usually strikes me as a good time to go to one of those players. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not saying that he doesn't have a ceiling. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that. I just, again, this is kind of still a perception question. Like, is he as good as everyone thought he is, right? Because, like, he's not going to come in at 1% have ownership on him. Like, he's going to have, like, 4 to 5% ownership. And it's like, is that right? I don't know. I think I'd rather have Jared Goff at the lower ownership. Because that, like, talk about a game that could just turn into fireworks. Like, that game could just turn into fireworks. That game could turn into fireworks. And one of the big cases for Jared Goff in this matchup is that Tampa has been really good against the run. So if Gurley is just running up the middle or Malcolm Brown is running and they go absolutely nowhere, they might say, yeah, you know what? Screw it. We're just passing all over Tampa like everyone else does. But can Tampa keep up with this defense? Like they have a putrid offensive line. This could realistically turn into a game much like the Sunday night game from last week, except maybe Tampa doesn't hang around as much as the Browns end up doing. I could see this game turning into Carolina, Arizona. Like it could turn into the exact same situation. I, I stacked last week where like Tampa Bay keeps it together for two and a half quarters and then falls apart. I could see that. Um, but I, I just think there's enough talent there on Tampa to get points on the board against the Rams. Like, the Rams really haven't faced this amazing offense yet either. So like their the defense could be just a little bit overrated at this point. Okay. Um, tight ends. You can have Will Disley for a cheap price, or you can pay up for Evan Ingram. Are those the two things people will be doing in week four? Probably. I mean, I've played Evan Ingram every week and I really just don't see myself stopping anytime soon. I'm trying to think of who would be like a leverage play here. If those two are going to like just own all the ownership, I guess Mark Andrews. I would say it's Waller or Andrews. Waller, man, what a a guy that I liked in the preseason and just ended up on none of the right high stakes teams, and I'm just really regretting it. The guy just gets targets and targets and targets and targets. Oh boy, he's good, and the Colts are not that great against the tight end either. He's a good pivot option. But Evan Ingram is just a beast. I, I just, this is a bad price. Like the price is just wrong. At 57, like, do you think that the overwhelming support for Evan Ingram and potentially even the mispricing at 5,700 will actually keep people off of Travis Kelsey? It's, it's a Chiefs player that, like, I feel like he's like the best, he's like the last of the elite Chiefs players. Like the pass catching options, like Damian Williams is probably out. You know, the, the Chiefs wide receivers don't have Tyreek Hill. Like, Kelsey's, like, the last, like, stable. If you're a casual player, you log on, you want, like, I want to play the Chiefs. Like, Mahomes and Kelsey is probably where you're going. So I don't think he's going to get to, like, ooh, like, that's super sneaky low ownership for the mm-hmm. best player at the position. If it's not Will Disley at $3,600, and it probably should be, they've already traded Nick Finette to the Steelers. It does look like male lead of... Bottle Rocket, Luke Wilson, will return for the Seattle Seahawks this week. Talked about potential, like, leverage plays off of him, and they're all just different Seahawks who scored the touchdowns if Will Disley doesn't. But I did this with Nelson Aguilar last week that I just talked myself out of it, and it turned out to be a It was a good play. Don't, Pat, don't talk yourself down. That was still a smart decision. If Goddard catches the wide-open touchdown, you're not downing yourself this week. Maybe, but it happened. Like, but, 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 Pat, again, it took two touchdowns to beat you. Like, anytime it takes a player two touchdowns to beat you, you weren't wrong. 
No, no, I like to go by the results. I was wrong on this one. Don't I'm not- be results-oriented, Pat. That, you tell me at the start of the show you've had a rough season. Don't be results-oriented. That's exactly maybe why you're having a rough start. Yeah, like, just, I, I, listen, I don't profess to be good at this. This is why I'm bad, because I make emotional reactions like this. I connect with the viewers in this way because they do exactly the same thing. Like, it's, like, again, like, if the guy had, like, 15 targets, yeah, you were wrong. But he had, like, seven or eight. And he had, like, 12 fantasy points that weren't related to touchdowns. Like, okay, that's not going to kill me. I mean, in, in, in the game, he had 12 targets. He had eight catches and two touchdowns. He really had eight catches. Did he catch them in garbage time? Because that's totally I turned that game off. So it's possible. But then yeah. he ended up with 24 fantasy points. He had eight, yeah, because he had a fumble as well. He had eight catches for 50 yards in two touchdowns and a fumble. Oh wow. His eight out of six. Like, come on. Like that's just again, this is that's just running poor. Like well, I wouldn't Yeah, I mean look, like I, I ended up going to Devin Smith and Demir Bird and all these losers who didn't do anything, and that was the big discrepancy in my lives was not have not only not having like if I had just picked someone else who was fine and just like average, Greg Olson? Yeah, like, actually, I did use Greg Olson, but I'm talking about like receivers of that price. Instead of paying down for Aguilar, I went around him with different, like three separate receivers, all three of whom busted. And if they hadn't have busted, they had just scored like, I don't know, 13 points. It wouldn't have been that big of a deal. I could have recouped a lot of it. But the gap between everyone that had Aguilar and everyone who had Demir Bird, being me, who had like two points, uh, that was a significant gap. So that's just bad assessment on my part, I guess. I just think that's being results oriented. Like, you know, Crabtree was so bad they cut him after giving him like $3 million three weeks earlier. Like, you know, uh, it's like, did I make a bad decision fading Keen Allen for Amari Cooper? Amari Cooper went seven for 83 and two touchdowns. Keen Allen broke the slate. Was that a bad decision? Like, Amari Cooper did exactly what I thought he was going to do. He was unowned and he scored two touchdowns and he had killed the matchup. Like, was that wrong? Like, no, it's just the other player just happened to do better. But the decision process wasn't bad. just well, didn't work. Well, the the issue this week is who is that guy off of Disley? If you don't take Disley and you're paying down at tight end, who is the other option? Like, the only one I can really think of is Hawkinson, but he could, he could legit score zero points. I mean, I think Jack Doyle's an option. I, I don't think he is. Like, if you're going to think about using Jack Doyle, just use Eric Ebron. But why? Because he's like, better? And he scores the touchdowns for this team? But that wasn't the case last year. This isn't last year. Andrew Luck is no longer the quarterback. But we have a three-game sample. We're going to overreact to a three-game sample where Eric Ebron's averaging seven fantasy points a game and Jack Doyle's averaging five. We know that Eric Ebron's that much better than Jack Doyle for sure. I mean, I, my personal assessment, yes, uh, especially as a fantasy player. Like, if we're going to talk about, like, t- touchdown upside, and even if we do la- look at last year, Eric Ebron is still the very clear answer. I mean, I, I, for me personally, like, I would just go up to the Olsen Hooper Walker tier. Like, yeah, 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 but now you're going from a $3,500 player to a $4,800 player. Like, that's significant. But that's fine. We have, but, 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 Pat, we're not required to play a $3,500 tight end. If there's no options, we shouldn't say there are. Well, like my, are- my, my question to you is, is there anyone around Disley? So the answer is just no. You can say no. That's okay. No. Maybe Atkins, if that thing's for real. Atkins? What do you... Really? I don't know if it's real, but it could be. It's not real. The Chargers don't cover anyone except for wide receiver ones. That's a fair point. So, just, you know, Deshaun Watson loves his tight ends. So, I mean, they rotate them all the time. But, it's I mean, I'm just saying, if, if I had to play someone down here, I'm not going to. Like, I guess Vernon Davis, I should say on brand. 
Yeah, you can just chuck them into your game stacks with all the giants and all the skins. I actually, yeah. I like you, you talk about like different things, like sort of the butterfly effect of Aguilar getting to two touchdowns. It all starts with the Goddard drop, allowing Aguilar to score. Like, I believe TJ Hawkinson has three touchdowns like overturned in the past two weeks. Like when they get in close, they actually do throw to him. It's just not happening right now, uh, actually in the box score. So I do think that he's live to score. I have a multiple touchdown game here because he's seeing those red zone targets. Yeah. I just keep staring at Austin Hooper and I'm like, am I making a mistake? Just not going here against the Titans who don't have great linebackers at all. It's a tricky situation. Like a lot of Hooper last week. I mean, he did beat up on the Colts, but then Calvin Ridley does nothing. You'd have to expect Calvin Ridley to do a little bit more this week. And I think that absolutely. And you probably think Hooper does less, Sanu does less, and all of that piles onto Calvin Ridley. So if some of those are even just. That's just a median projection. Like like Sanu could just do nothing this week and Austin Hooper does fine. Austin Hooper could do nothing and everyone else does fine, right? It's it's not like every week it's going to be evenly distributed. Like some weeks, some guys are going to do better than others. Yes, but I think if we're looking at Austin Hooper going to him this week, coming off a two touchdown game where I like realistically, Mark Andrews is probably the best play because he's coming off a bad game, yet he still saw a bunch of targets and that foot problem should be close to healing by now. Sure. Maybe Delaney Walker too. Like Mariota doesn't throw the ball deep. He loves his short passes, but that's an option. But I mean, once you get in the red zone question is where's, you know, is he really going to get the touchdowns over Derrick Henry? You never know. Well, no, I like, 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 just play Evan Ingram. That's the answer to this question. It's just play Evan Ingram. So you, don't, you just don't, just don't overthink it. Eat the chalk with Evan Ingram, go on your way or, or with Will Disley, one of those two guys. I was, I, you couldn't pay me to go out roster Will Disley. Just, well, people are people are going this to be, has, this people has, are this going has, to be rostering Will Disley this week. Yeah, that's this the has, fact. This you have has to face. Wilson two touchdowns written all over it. Uh, it's, it's funny. I did that against the Steelers in week two. I was like, I'm going to be so tricky. I'm going to play Nick Vanette, and Disley scores two touchdowns. I just I, it, this has the feeling of like Disley chalk is going to get tilted in some crazy. I can just see the tilt now on Twitter. Like I can just see how this goes poorly. Yeah, like but I. I, just, I, I you're gonna pivot off of Disley. It's you, you shouldn't do it for another unknown. You should do it for a known quantity. Yeah, well, I, I think it actually goes back to what we talked about a little bit earlier. If you're not going to use Disley and you make that conscious choice, I do think you should have one of Chris Carson or DK Metcalf as the pivot off of him, and just hope everything flows to those guys instead of Disley. And then you get the touchdowns that you expect in those games. They just go to your guy, not everyone else's guy. Yeah, I mean that's an option for sure. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I don't hate that. You know, Darren Waller is a good option. Mark Andrews is a good option. I just, I just don't want to overthink tight end. I think that's one of my biggest mistakes is I try to overthink tight end. And it's just like, I'll take the guys that are good. Like these are good players and they're like five, or like 6,000 or less. Like if I go to the wide receiver, 6,000 or less, we sat there and talked for 20 minutes about it. Cause we're like, well, this guy could be good. This guy could be good. I know these guys are good at football. So I'll just roster them. I'm trying to find it. I think it was Davis who tweeted it out because, you know, Davis is a good man like that. But maybe it wasn't him. I thought it was market share for tight ends that I saw him put out, but now I can't find it. Guy tweets too much. Can't even just scroll through everything. Let's talk about defenses before we get out of here. Oh, I will be on Davis's take cast this week if people want to go subscribe to that. Probably not football talk. Who knows what we're talking about? We never know what we're going to talk about when we go in. Uh, the highest price defense is the Los Angeles Chargers. They're at 3800 bucks. Um, do you think it's a week to just continue to attack Miami in this situation? Or do you use a Patriots or potentially like the bills are only 
$2,600. This does seem like a game where they could score some fantasy points. Yeah. Uh, again, the Pats just might be like one of the better teams we've seen in a long time. I would just stay away until they show signs of like being mortal. I would just stay away from going there. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people will be on that same wavelength as you of using like I think both the Patriots and Bills could be pretty live this week, but it's shaping up like the Rams might be the best per dollar play at the defensive position. Oh, I hate that play. Why? You, like, you really think that Jameis is going to come out and be like, their offensive line is terrible. So Jameis is going to be under duress the entire time and you get him under pressure and he turns into the Jameis that you like to stream defenses against. I mean, that's possible. He also could just throw for a 380 because the Rams defense isn't as good as you think. Yeah, that really doesn't matter. If he throws 380, that means he's th- he's dropping back to pass like 45 to 50 times. And I will take I will I will take I will take any defense uh, where Jameis is throwing the ball over 40 times against him. Like he I mean, can throw, he could, he could throw three he could throw three touchdowns and I don't care. He could throw 400 a, yards and I don't care. There's a bunch of teams that you can get situations like that. Like take Baltimore against Baker Mayfield. He's going to throw the ball a ton. I don't think that he is going to throw the ball a ton. That just seems like run 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 that entire game. If the Cleveland Browns think they're going to beat the Baltimore Ravens running Nick Chubb up the middle, then they deserve to go one in 15. I mean, didn't you see them on Sunday night? That seems like exactly what they're going to try to do. They're going to run. Yeah. Go- the coach got absolutely massacred on Twitter. I, I don't think that. Yeah, going to be I, 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 I don't, I don't think Freddie's real concerned about what Twitter is rating him. It was the press conference after the game. It wasn't just Twitter.com. The reporters were giving him grief. So if he's an, if he, so if, he, if he's an actual good coach, then he will make adjustments. But are you convinced he's a good coach? Well, guess what? I mean, I'm not convinced of it, but they're also low owned, and they're turn and they also can turn over the ball a lot. Baker Mayfield can turn over the ball like it's candy. So I would much rather go in that direction. I mean, no one's going to rush Houston. You talked about that pass rush versus Kyle Allen. He's only still had like two starts in his career. Houston's going to be unowned at home. I, I, know, you know I, I like that a lot. 3,100 bucks, the Houston Texans with one of the highest adjusted sack rates in the league. I do like that a lot. So that's a really good one. Uh, what about Minnesota against Trubisky? I, I think Chicago is so fraudulent. So it's I, I can definitely see myself getting Minnesota. My problem is I'm just not sure that he's like good enough to turn the ball over. Like He normally just misses it like by five rows into the stands. Hmm. For pay down defenses, I think a lot of people will go to the Panthers just because they piled up so many sacks last week against Kyler. And we know Deshaun takes a lot of sacks. I just don't know if that's necessarily the best play. But what about Seattle then at Arizona against Kyler Murray? They're only 3,300. Don't mind it. Denver against Minshew could be interesting. If Denver is somehow able to get a lead, that could get fun. Isn't it weird that they have no sacks this season? Yeah, but do you really think that's going to last? No, I mean, I don't think that they're going to finish the year with zero sacks, but it does kind of show that with the talent that they have, especially in the pass rush department with two elite guys, that something has to be off a little bit. Like, the, like even just, it's not like their matchups have been the hardest matchups to sack the quarterback. Yeah, I, I agree, but it's still a rookie quarterback with unproven pass catchers in altitude. So I think that's an interesting option. Um, if you're not on the Julio Jones train, I think Tennessee is an interesting option as well. Atlanta could throw, be throwing the ball a ton, and Matt Ryan is turnover prone. So that's an interesting option too. And Tennessee's done a bunch of good work on the defensive side this year. 
Yeah, I think I'm going to whittle down my core of defenses, at least right now. And I'll have my cheat sheet up on DKPlaybook.com when I really kind of get to the bottom of this. But Indy is in play for me, uh, especially if they can get Darius Leonard back. Uh, If they don't, maybe I won't then. But the Rams, most definitely. The Seahawks. And I think if I had to pay down, it would probably... You kind of sold me on Houston. I think that actually makes a lot of logical sense. Uh, If not, then, then the Bills and just hope this Patriots offensive line is as beat up as it looks on paper. Can I make can I make a case for one more defense? Is it if gonna, you really want to super 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 punt? Please tell me it is the Miami Dolphins. No, it's the Detroit Lions because we know Patrick Mahomes is going to throw the ball a ton, and it just takes one pick six to pay off twenty two hundred. I'm not going to do it, but anyone who played the Jets last week against the Patriots actually turned out to be right. So I, I can't hate on you too much for it, but like the Bills are just slightly more, even the Titans are slightly more than I just think both of those are better options. I, I, I think they are better options, but if you're looking for a home defense that I guess a quarterback, you know, is going to be throwing the ball at time. It's it's and the Lions, by the way, their defense, like they've been giving up points this season, but they have been getting turnovers. They've had five turnovers in three games. And it's not like they faced like really terrible quarterbacks, Kyler Rivers and Carson Wentz, like not, those aren't terrible quarterbacks and they've been able to get sacks and turnovers. So that pass rush might be a little better than we think it is. Hmm. Interesting. Um, We didn't really talk about the Kansas city backfield at all. Cause like where, like, do you think that Damian Williams ends up playing this week? Cause I, I do think that he plays. Oh, really? See, I don't think he does. All right. So if he, okay. So if he doesn't play, would you then put McCoy and or Darrell Williams into the mix? Why? That would just be my question. Like, why would I take on all that risk? Like, not like, for example, like McCoy only got 10 touches last week. Like he was pretty damn limited. He was pretty limited and he still ended up posting a nice game. And even Williams in limited touches ended up posting a nice game. Like you talked about Rex Burkhead as someone that you're considering playing. Like, why not those guys? I think Rex Burkhead's workload's a little safer than those guys, to be honest. Really? You think that a Patriots running back with the key cog in their backfield coming back into the mix this week, that Burkhead's touches are safe? I can see him getting a ton. I could also see him getting two. I think I could see Michelle, like, basically DMPing. I'm not, I don't think that's out of the range of outcomes. I mean, all those guys are kind of around the same price. Like, LaShawn McCoy, I guess LaShawn McCoy's a bit pricier, but... We're not even sure, like, are we sure, are we convinced that LaShawn McCoy is going to play? I think he will play, but I'm not convinced of it. All right, well, let's get, let's put ourselves into a situation where McCoy and Williams both sit. Does that mean? No, you just lock in Daryl at that point. Yeah, and then this week it'll be Darwin Thompson and it will screw everyone over. Yeah, well, uh, at least I got a lot of best ball shares. I guess they'll be happy with that. I mean, yeah, this is just the way to do it. Play 200 teams, hedge against yourself, and you can never be wrong. You'd be happy for everything, Siege. Oh, and uh, I wish that was the case, Pat. Definitely not that simple. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you for coming on. You can follow Siege on Twitter at TheSiegeDFS and tell everyone what's going on over at Arbor Pro. Yeah, so uh, in-season fantasy content is underway. Uh, I've got uh, rankings on for for DFS, season-long. Uh, we've got waiver wire columns like everyone else in the world, but we've got high stakes guys answering those questions for you. Um, got our, uh, we got, uh, got, got shows, podcasts, talking just about everything football related. So if you're looking for football content, we've got just about everything. All right. You can check me out on Twitter at the PME, same as Instagram, same as Facebook. My cheat sheet will be up on DKPlaybook.com. I think on 
Thursday. So go check that out. Remember to get into the giveaways for the 20 DK bucks and play in the Pat Mayo Experience DraftKings Listeners and Viewers League. $15 to play, rake free over $60,000 guaranteed. Reserve your spot now because it fills rather quickly. So go do that. You can find the link in the description of this video or podcast. Anyway, I'm Pat Mayo. Good luck in week four. Someone go win the Millionaire Maker and tell me all about it. All right? I'll see you next time. Have your experience! Experience!